0: Hello and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host Ryan Van Biver. With me, as always, Danny Kelly and Stephen White. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Doing great. All right, you guys ready to talk a little football?
1: Yeah, real
0: football, kind of. Oh, wait. all real right. Football. Well, let's let's jump in with Gate then. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, let's just let's get it out of the way. I saw the Giants owner. Um, said it's just ready for it to be over and needed to get out of the way. So I guess my question to you all on this is, you know, we can you know, take odds on what do we think is going to happen and stuff, and, and you can read it on the website if you want to figure out exactly where things stand in the actual court case itself. But I, I wanted to ask, this is a question Stephen brought up, is Goodell going to overplay his hand on this?
2: Ooh. Stephen? I, I, I think – he he's definitely teetering on it right now. And I've been one of those guys the whole time that said, you know, th- this isn't a big deal to the owners. Goodell is fine. You know, that they're still going to back him or whatever because of the revenues mm-hmm. uh, that are sky high. But here's the thing. It, it when, when, when Mayor, John Mayor, who it, was a guy who was kind of supporting this early on now says it is, he just wants it to be over. I think Goodell should listen to that. Yeah, because I think we heard the other day—I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before—that Tom Brady is now willing to take a suspension as long as they say the suspension is for him not cooperating rather than him being generally aware of whatever the fuck that means mm-hmm. about the def- deflating the football. So he's giving you a out. He's giving you a win here. If you would just walk the fuck away, yeah. But I think Goodell is like, no, I, I don't want to 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 back down from anything, and he's teetering on that edge where the owners going to be like, look, this judge is roughing you up in court. It's not really looking good. You've got a way out if you don't take this, and then you get your ass kicked in court. I think some some owners are going to start kind of look giving him the side eye a little bit because everybody's sick of this shit.
0: Yeah. Well, he's already pissed off Robert Kraft. I mean, you know, and you, you, you mentioned John Mara. Those are two of the most prominent owners in the NFL. I mean, those are the guys that are always that, you know, those are the, the ones that they send out to represent the other 32 owners. You know what I mean? Because they don't, it's just, you know, when you've gotten to the end of the old guard like that way and you get the old guard saying that kind of stuff about you, it's not good.
1: Isn't, isn't he kind of the whipping boy, though? Isn't that sort of his role in the NFL? To, like, be the bad guy for everyone?
0: Well, I mean, I think it is, but it's more for, like, you know, the labor negotiations or, yeah. you know, the Ray Rice stuff. You know, he does, he goes out there and takes the hit, so Steve Biscotti doesn't have to for the Ravens. You know what I mean? So the Ravens don't have to come out and say, well, we fucked it up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think it's more so, it's like, you know, you go back to the <clears throat> some of the other stuff with Goodell and, and going back to 2011 with the CBA, it's like, well... He's your point man for that marketing broadcast the business part of the league. And he's and he gets into the player discipline stuff and he's always, always getting his ass handed to him by a third party <laughs> arbitrator or a judge. You know, even Pete Rosell, you know, with the bounty gate stuff.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I think the uh it's like right now it seems like the uh the judge or whatever is kind of you know pro nfl pa or whatever and i think it's like he's just trying to get them to settle isn't it like want him to go to court or to go to trial and so maybe he's doing a little bit of uh, gamesmanship in that sense in terms of like taking the nfl down a peg or two so they're afraid that they would lose kind of thing yeah
0: which (laughs) is an interesting play because that has been the judge's kind of stance is like if you don't settle this i'm gonna embarrass the both of you
1: yeah exactly I think he's, like, exasperated because, frankly, he probably has more important things to do, you know? Oh, things
2: come like- on. <laughs> <laughs> the well, wheels of justice. Right. I, I, I kind of felt that way the first time because even though he was giving the NFL the business the first time, he also kind of went at Kessler and them mm-hmm. to the NFL PA side, you know, like, well, why wasn't he cooperating? This doesn't look good. Yeah. And Kessler was straight up and said, well, yeah, there was some bad advice we weren't the ones who gave it to him. So he kind of threw whoever told Tom Brady, I think it was his agent, you know, to throw the phone away under the bus. But from what was reported, the judge was asking and saying the other day, he was actually, actually making a lot of the points that I have in my head about this whole thing. Once we got the actual transcript, from uh, uh, the appeal hearing. Because what they told us happened in the appeal hearing and what actually happened were two very different things. You know, you can go back to the whole uh, phone issue because the NFL is great at their their PR now because they know if they get theirs out first, that's what everybody's going to believe. And so now everybody believes that Tom Brady said he throws his phone away every four months or so. But that's not really what he said. He just said that You know, for various reasons, there's no set timetable for me to get a phone. I might break a phone. A new phone might come out. It's the same shit most of us would say if we had that amount of money. Like, look, you know, the iPhone 17 just came out, so I might want that one. Or I might have just dropped it and broke the screen, so I might need a new phone that way. So I can't tell you how often I, you know, change my phone out. It just kind of fluctuates. But the the word we got was, well, he said it does it every four months, and now he didn't do it this time, so it looks fishy. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is like he's going through there and kind of starting to see, hey, man, this is some bullshit y'all selling, okay? Yeah. You say it's supposed to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, fair and, and independent, and it's not independent. He pointed out something. You know I mean, he got there as cold dead to rights the other day because he was bringing up the fact that they didn't even let the NFLPA – uh, uh, basically cross uh Pash during the appeal hearing. Yeah. But the NFLPA had put on the damn press release that Pash was the co-author or whatever. So you can't try to downplay him now when you put out on your own press release that this dude was the co-author. Yeah. So to me, I think the first time was kind of like a warning shot. But yesterday was more like, Look, man, y'all case is pretty, you know, fucked up. He he, did, he said a little bit to the NFLPA, but it was nothing like the first time where it was a kind of fifty-fifty. Yeah, and you can't tell, you know. Judges always they, you kind of keep things close to the vest, but the things that he was pointing out were the things that I was thinking when I was reading the the, the appeal hearing transcript. Like this shit doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. I when he even used the word vacate. I mean, and that's what this and that's what the judge would do. I mean, he can either he can't decide whether he did or not, but he can vacate or uphold the suspension or uphold the punishment through the collective bargaining agreement. And he could vacate he mentioned that cases have been vacated before for not letting people you know, involved in it testify. Which is, you know, when he was referring specifically to Pash, who's the head lawyer for the NFL. So, I mean and you put it into context with the 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 leak that Schefter reported early like first thing yesterday morning about you know Brady was willing to accept some form of punishment through this not a suspension but some form of punishment if you know based on the grounds that he didn't cooperate which is kind of different from where they were even two weeks ago you know with the cooperation thing that you just mentioned Stephen. so I mean that's a pretty big tell and it seems like the judge maybe you kind of wonder if he Saw that in the paper and was going after that a little bit, but you know he's. I I guess we'll know by September fourth, one way or another. I mean, that's the deadline when the when the judge is going to decide by. So, and uh, we'll see where uh, we'll see what happens next because this is kind of this is a bigger deal than it doesn't get the press that the Ray Rice stuff does, or it doesn't. It hasn't been sort of as, as loud. And ongoing as the bounty gate thing was, but uh, but this is a big deal. I mean, it's not just it, it's Brady, a, a superstar, the most popular player in the league, in all probability, and and an owner that was a uh, considered Goodell's right hand man. That I mean, you know, isn't even going to get get a Christmas card from the guy now. <laughs> I mean, that's a big deal. You know, you, you're you, when your allies, when your chief allies in a in a cartel setup like the NFL is. When you've lost a chief ally in that, that's a problem. I mean, you know, I don't. You know, Goodell's contract, I guess, could get. I'm not sure the particulars of that when they would fire him or wouldn't fire him. But you know, they've got a collective bargaining agreement to, to work through in in a few years, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens ahead of time. Um. All right, now let's do talk about football real football and uh, let's start with really kind of some bad news and this is the part i really hate man you hate it anytime it happens but this is to me always the worst part about preseason and training camp are the 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 serious injuries and yesterday we saw two of them within what about 15 minutes at the dolphins panthers practice i think the most notable of which is a kelvin benjamin the panthers number one wide receiver second year kid out of florida state just an outstanding receiver all around, um, had a big rookie year and was poised for probably another big year with Cam Newton, and now uh, and now he's out. That's um,
1: that's rough. It,
0: it's it's huge. That's <laughs> a huge blow to the Panthers when you look at that depth chart now too because it puts Devin Funchess kind of in there at number one, him and Greg Olson.
1: That was going to be a lot of fun to see those two on the field together. That's a. I mean, obviously it's a huge bummer regardless, but – it was going to be really interesting to see what the Panthers could do with both of those guys on the field, and now yeah. it's just uh man. It's just that's just a rough, rough thing to happen. Especially, I me mean, not especially, but non-contact injury just mm-hmm. kind of you know went down on the turf, and yeah, it's just bad.
0: Yeah, really. And I I was going to ask, you know, Stephen, this is you broke down Benjamin last year as one of your Mm -hmm. guys before the draft. How does this I mean, he's a second year receiver. I mean, he he was, by all accounts, pretty good last year. But, you know, still a lot of room for improvement. I know among things like concentration and, and some of his catching. How does this affect him going forward to miss a whole season like this?
2: Well, you know, in this day and age, with, with the way they've improved uh, the techniques with, with these different surgeries and stuff, I think he'll be fine. You know, he'll come back and, and and probably be back full strength in about nine months instead of a year like it used to be. But I think next year he'll probably – it'll it, next year he probably won't bounce all the way back. I think we kind of got a little, uh, um, I would say, spoiled by a guy like Adrian Peterson yeah. who comes right back and then rushes for all those yards and looks fantastic. And we kind of started holding people to that uh, uh, timetable. I think that's kind of what almost ruined RG3 because he was trying to come back so fast and be the same guy. So I don't think he'll be the same guy, especially at a position that has a premium on speed. You know, he's never Mm -hmm. been a guy who's very fast in the first 20 or so yards, but he turns it on uh, long distance. And so I think it's going to take him a while to get back up to speed. But look, this is a big dude. I think he's 6'6". Yeah. Okay? So he's literally a power forward. So there's yeah. still going to be a lot of things that he can do and do well, especially working on his uh, concentration with the time off because that's something he can do. You know, even with the injury, he, he can still work on his hands and stuff and his concentration and doing drills like that, which is really what's going to make him a, a better receiver anyway. All the other stuff he's pretty good at already. It's just the con- the lack of concentration All the time, you know, he drops a bunch of balls that he shouldn't drop. Mm -hmm. The balls you think that he probably doesn't have a chance at is are the ones that he usually comes down with. So if he can get that concentration going, I think he'll be fine. So we'll see how it works out. man. I really hate to see it, even though he's in our division, but I just think he's a fantastic young player. And I think he plays the game the right way, too. I mean, he goes hard, he blocks hard. Yeah. The big guy ain't scared. He's not afraid to use his size. He caught a touchdown the other day. I don't know if it was in practice or the game, but I was just like, how do you stop that? Literally, how do you stop that when a 60s guy kind of stiff arms you and then goes to the back shoulder fade and jumps up, you know, at full height and you got long arms, too? How in the world can you stop that? I just don't see it happening. So, I think he'll still be a pretty good player if he can come back and, and get his legs back on him. But next year, you know, we should all probably be patient with him because he still won't be back to full speed.
0: Well, what about this year? How does this, I mean, obviously the Panthers take a huge hit. I mean, that's, you know, you're number one guy on a depth chart. That's mostly kind of question marks after that. And, and, you know, they kinda of won the NFC South by default last year. You sort of backed into it with that week seventeen win and, and went without, you know, what the what was it, a seven and nine record. But you know, by all accounts would have been a better team this year. I mean you had Benjamin, you had a little bit better depth chart behind him, but not a lot of guys that could probably you know, be your number ones or anything like that. And you had, I don't know. I mean, is this, are we going to have a, a year of hot Cam Newton takes because of Kelvin Benjamin going down <laughs> and the Panthers? I mean, how do the Panthers respond to this, Danny? I, you
1: know, I, there's a real chance you could have a lot of that this year. You know, um, I think the, the, the Panthers, like I said earlier, that they were really going to rely on those two, I think, Punchess and uh, Benjamin. Mm-hmm. So now you got to move everybody up. And it's like, right now I'm looking at their, depth chart not that this is official or anything but ted Ginn is like a starter i was <laughs> like yeesh uh you know you got philly brown Corey brown or whatever by the way when did he change his name to Corey? that's irrelevant i have no idea
2: <laughs> you know what because i was looking at the same thing i was like i know philly brown but who is this guy the same thought. he changed it to Corey, i guess
1: but anyway uh i mean he's a he's an exciting young player but like yeah, they, they just don't have – I mean, they're looking like the Seahawks out there in terms of receiver, like, big names and, and big targets. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And, I, you know, it, it, just judging how the NFL goes, I bet you anything, you know, if, if Cam struggles, you're going to get some hot takes on that, even though, <laughs> you know, he, may, he maybe doesn't deserve it.
0: Let's watch his smile this year. You got to watch that smile. <laughs> Well, who's going to win the
2: NFC South? I mean, yeah, this, it's I'm hard to pick. Go ahead. Say, Who I hope everybody calls out is Dave Gettleman. Yeah. Because, exactly. you know, I've been saying this for the last few years. Why in the hell, if you have the, a quarterback with the talent of Cam Newton, who you end up giving all this damn money to, won't you give, won't you give him some better weapons? And, and I say that, and you look around the league, all these young quarterbacks, man. Their GMs are giving them weapons. Now, those weapons don't always work out. Yeah. But look at the, uh, the 49ers. How many fucking wide receivers have they drafted in the last three years? A bunch of them. Have they all worked out? No. But <laughs> I think they're going by the volume uh, rule or something. You know, sooner or later, one of these guys will work out. And then they go out and get Torrey Smith this year. Yeah. Okay. Look at uh, 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 the Seahawks going to getting Jimmy Graham. All these other teams are building around their quarterback, and basically the the, the, the Panthers are just hoping that if they draft one wide receiver every year, that guy will work out, and that is bullshit. And to be honest with you, I'm not a huge Funches fan as a wide receiver. Yeah, I and I remember your breakdown went somewhere that. somewhere where they had a, a creative offense coordinator. Maybe he would be a weapon as a matchup guy. But you got fucking Mike Shuler as your OC, too. So, I mean, he ain't getting real creative (laughs) in Carolina, okay? And so, he's not a guy who I feel like is sudden enough, nor has the long-range speed to be a viable option as a wide receiver. We'll see. I hope he proves me wrong. But I think he's more of a guy you're going to have to move around to really showcase his talent. And that is not Mike Shula's thing. So when Cam struggles this year, and I'm sure everybody's gonna talk about his smile and all that bullshit, I'm gonna be on <laughs> Gettleman's ass because you drafted fucking Shaq Thompson in the first round when he's not gonna touch the field this year unless there's an injury. And you have and, a little key Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And look, don't even get me started because I'm trying not to rant. But I'm really like so fucking frustrated <laughs> that a GM will have a, a, a guy like Cam Newton as your quarterback, okay, and you don't fucking build around him and give him a bunch of weapons. Nope. And there's no res- disrespect to Ted Ginn and, and, and Philly Brown or Corey Brown, whatever he wants to call himself, good for him. But look, if you have somebody like Cam Newton and you just paid him a bunch of money, and one wide receiver can can change your team's fortune from being you know favorite to win the division to maybe not making the playoffs. Your GM is fucked up, and he probably should be fired. That's just how it goes.
0: Well, and it's the same thing with the offensive line too. I mean, it's not just wide receivers. It's like what you know. What's he done to build an offensive line that at least you can protect <laughs> Cam Newton and run the damn ball with it? You know, you got to. line side. He, he got <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you're bringing well, Michael Over or. for that.
2: For real. I mean, seriously, he should be charged with malpractice (laughs) at this point. For real, because their fucking defense doesn't need any help. How do you spend a first-round pick on Shaq Thompson, a guy who may not even really have a position right now on defense? You hope he's going to work out a linebacker. When your defense has been pretty much the the, the strong point of your team for the longest time, and you don't have wide receivers, and you don't have a a viable offensive line, it just – it just makes me fucking nuts. Thankfully, you know, the Bucks, they're in the same division as my Bucks, so that should help the Bucks. But, I mean, just on a, a general level, just uh, being an NFL fan, this shit makes no sense at all.
0: No, and it'll be more, you'll have to run Cam Newton more, and then you put him more at risk for exposure for that stuff. It's just like, I don't, I mean, I, you know. It is what it is, but uh, you know it's a bad move for the Panthers. You just you know you get you're you've got an exciting young quarterback, and then you just have to you know he has to do all the damn work himself. And there's only so much. I mean, what's he going to do? Catch his own passes at some point too? It's going to happen. He's going to have to.
2: He better. <laughs> <laughs> and, and don't disrespect Jericho Country, but if it's between that and Cam throwing it to himself, I might take Cam throwing it to
1: him. He'd probably be a really good, like, tight end or whatever. Don't like it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll say another day, one day we should all sit down and talk about all the positions he could probably play. in <laughs> his side. But you just, He's just, I mean, defense, look, I ain't going to get started, but if you really sat down and thought about it, There ain't many positions itself for maybe the offensive line and defensive tackle that he couldn't play at that side.
0: It's interesting too. His name was I saw a little bit on Twitter this morning before I got kind of wrapped up in other stuff. But where you know the college, the what all all century or whatever college team somebody the a group had voted on that the pro football writers or not pro football but football writers association of them one of those damn writers groups. (laughs) Um, voted on, and they didn't have Cam Newton's one that season at Auburn that was so outstanding. They didn't even have him as one of the – I mean, I think he was a second-team guy or something like that. But, I mean, that was one of the best college seasons of, in ever for a quarterback. But anyway, that's uh, that's that. It, it's, it is what it is. We'll see what happens in the NFC South this year because a lot of those teams just look real – I mean, you know, look real strong for 2015.
1: Yeah, when we, when we were talking before the show about you know some subjects, I was like, the thought came to mind like, who are the biggest like you know train wrecks right now or dumpster fires or whatever? And I'm like thinking the one of the favorites in the division is still probably the Saints, I would suppose, but they just seem like nothing good is going is happening right now. And now I heard someone talking about um, if Breeze doesn't have a good year this year, he's gone next year. So it's just like, man, the Saints too are like they are just like going in the wrong direction.
2: Well, now the Falcons actually look pretty good, yeah. This past week, yeah. but you got to wonder if that's just because it was the Titans they were playing against. But you know, they always got Julio Jones, and they have Roddy White, and they got you know the quarterback Matt Ryan. So if you look into me, if you look at our division on paper, I'm going with the Falcons right now. Yeah, yeah. and Tevin Coleman knows? too it's probably going to be another toss up year.
0: Yeah. I mean the Falcons look like they could score. I mean I think I mean I you know I think the Kyle Shanahan offensive coordinator there is is a good match for what they are and who what they can do. Yeah. You know you put Tevin Coleman in the mix with at the at running back and they you know suddenly you've got a really good running game there again. And and depth there too. I mean it's not just Tevin Coleman. I mean there's maybe your guy that gets 15 to 20 carries but you go down the depth chart a little bit and you got Antone Anton Smith that can be you know, the big play kind of guy. And, um, God, who the, Devonta, Ke- Freeman. Devonta yeah. Freeman from Florida, another Florida state guy and in the, that could be in the mix too. That's a, if they can get some defense going, they might be a, a pretty good little team this year.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what Dan, and they got Vic Beasley before. in the first round. Yeah. <laughs> I think they've got tools on defense, but maybe not a lot of depth um so you know dan quinn seemed like he got some interesting players in the draft and potentially could add some of that depth he also signed some guys in free agency yeah so you know brooks reed and a couple other dudes and so uh, it's interesting i think you know they could uh they could be a surprise like rebound team this year i think or maybe not that surprising but um since they're probably the favorite but yeah they're definitely a team i'll be watching pretty closely it'll be interesting to see what transitioning to the dan quinn defense will do for him
0: yeah well they shit can mike smith so that's you know that's addition by subtraction right there
1: (laughs) yeah i
0: mean they went they went six and ten i i have to wonder because remember that lions game in london that they lost at the last minute i mean you know there's a couple i wonder if there's at least two i mean i look at the lions game and maybe i'm just off the top of my head i can't Maybe that Browns game that they lost, too. It's like if Mike Smith hasn't been, isn't coaching there, maybe they're a, an 8-8 eight eight team <laughs> last year. Yeah. Who knows? Mike Smith's no Jeff Fisher. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <covered>. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have to try to work that in anymore. It just comes naturally now. You don't even have to have a segue. Um, you know, I mentioned the Delmas injury. I, I think that's that's kind of a blow for the Dolphins. They have to reshuffle their secondary. But and Delmas is a guy that had a pretty good year last year with the Lions. Does that? I mean, are the Dolphins? Do the Dolphins have a shot? What do they do without Delmas this year?
1: Pulling up their depth chart now. I mean, they've okay. got, they still, yeah, they still have a few guys, Will Davis, uh, and and got, in terms of people that they've drafted over the years, but I don't know if the depth is really that great. Walt Aikens potentially. Uh, I think yeah, they have him listed as a safety here, but
0: I don't know. It's a uh, you know, well, that's going to be interesting division to watch just because of how the Brady suspension plays out, and if the Brady suspension plays out. You no, know, he ends up getting four games. It's a totally different. It's wide open. But I gotta say, looking at the NFC East, there's there's none of those teams outside the page. I mean, they all have their positives. The Bills, the Dolphins, and the Jets—they all have their positives. You got two teams with a really strong defense from front to back, and then you've got the Dolphins who really upgraded their front, obviously this year, which wasn't a bad front last year. But now you got Cam Wake and and then Sue on the same line. But uh, you know, they all have. Serious question marks as to whether or not they could beat the Patriots if the Patriots have Tom Brady for 14 or 15 games this season.
2: I mean, I I, I like the Dolphins. Even even with the, uh, the Delmas injury, you know, Rashad Jones is is kind of an underrated guy to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, can pretty much do anything you want a safety to do on a football field is explosive, will knock the shit out of people. Mm-hmm. So I like him on the back end. And, of course, Brent Grimes. <laughs> got to love that guy <laughs> and his wife because she's <laughs> off the chain, too, on Twitter. But, uh, you know, you put that together, man, I think they're going to have a very good defense. I think they'd have been a lot better with Delmas, of course. But he's had some injury issues anyway, so you kind of have to yeah. uh, plan for that uh, eventuality maybe anyway. But that offense should be outstanding, too. It's going to come down to their quarterback. Ryan Tannehill going to have to show up this year, and they just gave him a bunch of money. But look, they, they went out and got him some weapons. We're talking about Cam, uh, yeah. what they haven't done for Cam. You know, yeah. they go out and, and draft Dante Parker, get Greg Jennings, trade for Kenny Steele's. Uh, and already had um Jarvis. Uh, Jarvis Landry, and I think Jarvis Landry is yeah. like uh the second coming of um um you got in uh, with the 49ers right now, yeah. So, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, I think that this team is very strong now. If it comes down to coaching, though, <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> they might have some issues, but if you look at the talent on this team, man, they have they are kind of stacked. Yeah, pretty much everywhere except for maybe safety now because cause, because of the injury to Demons, but everywhere else you'll be hard pressed. Maybe the offensive line, but Brandon Albert is coming back. They, they say he's starting to practice now. Yeah, but but that, even the offensive line should be upgraded this year. So I'm not sure if there's a place where you can point and say this is definitely a weak point on this team. No,
0: and I'm like you. I think it's a it's just if Philbin can put it all together, you know which is a big question
2: mark for them right now. It, it, really, is. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I just can't get over that shitty up, you know, last year. Well, I'm not sure who the starting quarterback is. <laughs> With <Tannehill. laughs> Well, let me tell you who it is. It's <laughs> <That was laughs> just weird. something I can't get over, but we'll see. We'll see how it works out.
0: <laughs> um, another injury that happened late yesterday, and this kind of occurred to me, and I, I, I thought this made me think a little bit because – here you got the NFC West that's you know, looks like it's a division with some bruising defenses, well, maybe not so much the 49ers this year since everybody left. but um, you know, the other three teams in NFC West all have, you know, a pretty strong defense, a pretty talented group of defensive players. But Mike Ayupati, Arizona's guard, their big offseason acquisition, a guy that they brought in to give a line that played better last year and has some talent now. Um, but, you know, this is the guy that they brought in to run it up the middle a little stronger and give the and give that group an edge, you know, to the, the, be the guy that kind of makes them a little bit of a, a nastier unit, more, than, more so than just a proficient unit. But uh, so he's hurt. And he's going to miss six to eight weeks. So he's going to miss the start of the regular season, which is a blow. And now you've got the NFC West, which is a lot of questionable offensive lines. I mean, four Ooh. teams with some... You know, and St. Louis and Seattle might be the worst of the bunch. For as good as their defense is, they might have the worst offensive lines in the, <laughs> the NFC West, if not the NFC right now.
1: And guess who our first appoint- opponent is? The Rams, exactly. who have the freaking ridiculous <laughs> defensive line in the world. Yeah, that's going to be scary. I just, I'm just picturing uh, Robert Quinn, like, just chopping off Russell Wilson's head, you know.
0: <laughs> well, let me ask you this then Danny because I see you know there's a lot of people and it's hard not to agree with them. Um, you know you you, you see Seattle, it's when well, you look at Seattle, you look at what they did last year, it's like, well that's easily one of the top, you know, two or three teams in the NFC and it's a lot of people's pick to win the NFC again this year. But mm-hmm. then you look at that line, how are they going to do that with that line?
1: That's the question, isn't it? I think you know last year they didn't have A whole lot better to be quite honest like they still they had Max Unger but he only played in six games um they went with a kind of combination of LeMille Jean-Pierre and Patrick Lewis at center during the season I'm sure you you know a ton about those two guys and then uh you know they, they had James Carpenter who's always been you know he's a former first round guy but he's always been kind of he underwhelmed definitely in his time in Seattle and he was never really the dominant player anyone thought he would be and so um you know losing those two guys is is a concern but at the same time the Seahawks kind of did the same thing last year in terms of just kind of trotted out I think they probably put out like eight or nine different offensive line combinations if not more during the season so it's like to me people are freaking out but at the same time it's like more it just feels like more of the same for the Seahawks like this is just standard like they're gonna try and rotate in some guys and see if it works and you know, rely on Russell Wilson's escapability to kind of cope with it. And um, yeah, to me, it's, it's not going to be a whole lot different other than maybe a little less uh, experienced, but, um, but yeah, so it, it, to me, it's just a little bit of the same. I'm not entirely overly concerned about at this point, but I know I think as, as we play the Rams week one, I'll probably become a lot more worried.
0: Well, yeah, because that's one of those games that the Rams can win and then they'll lose, you know, in week two to, the, you know, to, to the freaking Bears or something like
1: that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the Rams always give the stock trouble, man. It's annoying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Steven, I, let me ask you, I mean, with you, you have an offensive line like Seattle, and this is probably more specific to Seattle than it is to some teams, but, you know, does a guy like Marshawn Lynch kind of balance that out a little bit?
2: Well, I think overall the scheme does. Yeah. Uh, because it just first of all, you're going to run a whole lot of uh, uh, the read option stuff, yeah. or at least enough to where you're running. You're basically running zone blocking. Yeah. And, and I don't necessarily. I'm not going to say that you can have lesser guys to run zone, even though that's pretty much the case. But I didn't <laughs> just say that. You didn't hear me say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but basically, what I'm saying if you tell them the guy to block an area rather than a man. I think you can get away with having lesser offensive linemen in there. Mm -hmm. When you have to, you know, guys got to block one-on-one and block man and stuff like that, it's a lot harder because if one guy screws up, you're fucked. If you run in zone, then, you know, a bunch of guys can can screw up. If enough of them do it right, though, then you'll still find that crease. And and Marshawn Lynch is a part of that because he's not going to wait. You know, as soon as he sees that crease, he's going to stick his foot in the ground and get upfield. And so I do think that they probably can get away with it more than some other teams because of the schemes they run and the running backs that they have. But at some point, look, you're going to have to drop back and pass. And that's where the fun starts. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, if you're the Rams, you don't really give a shit about the run anyway. You're going to knock out the run along the way. Yeah. But you're trying to get the third and long. And so it's third and long where you have to be careful, and there ain't a whole lot to Marshall and List can do for that. Yeah. <laughs> Except for maybe keep him out of third and long.
0: Well, yeah, exactly, and that's what. I, and I don't know. I and mean, that's where I guess the Russell Wilson thing too has helped probably camouflage some of the def- deficiencies for the Seattle offensive line in the last year or so too. Yeah,
1: it's I mean, going to be because interesting. he
0: can work so well outside the pocket. You know what I mean? He can get away from yep. pressure and still make a nice throw.
1: Yeah, he's good on the run. He's good outside the pocket too. Yeah. Um, the they the, the, I don't know if you guys heard the Seahawks actually kind of switching things up on the offensive line. They got uh, Justin Britt at left guard now. They're going to tinker with that and see how that goes. He's mm-hmm. their right tackle, and then they're trying to see what what Gary Gilliam looks like at right tackle. So it's all it, it feels like a little bit of desperation at this point. But
0: they're, <laughs> they're just afraid Tom Cable's going to beat the shit out of them if they don't play well. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Right. And, and and look, they didn't look good last week in the preseason game, but it, it's a preseason game, yeah. so you gotta take it with a grain of salt. And it just so happens to be one of the better defensive lines in the whole league. You know, Von Miller, that's not a slappy right there. Yeah. So right, yeah. Like, it does kind of seem, you know, like desperation, but, you know, you just never know. So uh, maybe they're just looking at different combinations. Maybe they're just trying to get the best guys on the field or what have you, but. I can see why they might have made some changes after their first preseason game.
0: Man, Miller was going hard last week too. I mean, that he was—he looked to be in regular. I mean, he was going to me. It looked like his motor was the same as it would have been in a playoff game.
1: Oh yeah, he was like yelling at the crowd and stuff too. It was pretty funny. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I mean, it's like that's what the that you kind of lose track of that. It's like yeah, Von Miller uh, beat Justin Britt on the first you know first passing snap of the season. Um, and on one hand, that's like definitely concerning. But at the on the other hand, I was like watching the game, and I'm with my dad, and he's like, "Oh God!" I'm like, "Okay, let's not base the whole season on the first <laughs> pass play of the game." <laughs> it's Von Miller, you know, it was the first pass play. Like, let's you know get some perspective. Maybe but.
0: maybe it's a message from the heavens to the Seahawks: quit <laughs> fucking passing the ball.
1: <laughs> yeah, at least when you don't need to. Yeah. So well, anyhow, we'll, is it, they'll be all right. I mean, I think like one, they, with the zone blocking scheme, like Steven talked about, um, the other, it, it, first of all, you can get away with guys that are maybe not quite as big of names. And then two, it takes a little longer for it to kind of, you know, gel or whatever they talk about. Like, cause it's very much like a, it's like a group effort. You have to be all on the same page getting, you know, getting everything in the, on the, in the same like steps and everything. So, they've been switching guys around all practice running random people at every position kind of like trying to see what they have, get the best five guys and kind of just plug them in wherever. And so I think there's, there was no continuity and there's no uh, you know, they, they haven't done any of their cut blocking or anything like that. That's like integral to their system. So I'm not freaking out too much quite yet, but um, you know, this week will be a little bit more interesting just because they finally had a chance to hit and, kind of get some of those kinks out, but to me it's, like, standard. The Seahawks' offensive line is just going to give up a lot of sacks. It's just, like, the way it goes. Uh,
0: RG3, the uh, Hmm. overblown RG3 comments, surprisingly enough, RG3 comments get overblown in the media. Washington PR overblows the overblowing, and then they blow it with a overreaction, and then they overreact the overreaction, and then they end (laughs) up letting RG3 talk to the press anyway. It's just... (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I I mean, on the one hand, you you, you see the context of RG3's quotes and you don't, you know, you don't want to throw the guy in the fire just because he said that. But then at the same time, it's like, well, here's a guy that has a history of saying dumb things to the press. And (laughs) here he is again with something sort of poorly phrased. So it's like, uh, there's a cycle here. I mean, what was your guys' take on that? You saw that.
1: I definitely didn't think there was anything inherently wrong with what he said in terms of, I mean, what do you want him to say? Like, that he's an average player? Like, I mean, it's like, it was just, obviously, like you said, everything got blown out of proportion, and he has a history of saying weird stuff. But in this case, it didn't really seem like that big of a deal. He he has to be confident. Like, that's kind of what he was saying. Like, I have to, mad I have to, like, picture myself as a very good quarterback, and, and that's just, like, Any quarterback should have that mentality. You should have that mindset, you know? Like, you want that. Like, we talk about in Seattle, like, um, some of the things that Russell Wilson says is, like, like, that's a little weird because he's, like, so confident. Like, you know what I mean? But at the same time, it's, like, you want a guy like that, like, playing quarterback. Like, you almost want him to be a little bit crazy. Right. You know, because it takes such mental, um, like, strength and, and... you know, just unwavering like belief in yourself, I guess, to play the position and, and like, cause you're going to make mistakes and things like that. So that's, you still want a guy who's a little bit crazy, <laughs> I think playing quarterback. And so, um, you know, I didn't really, I didn't see anything wrong with what he said. I think it was just the history like behind him that, that made that a big deal.
2: For me, here's the problem. I think that, he's become such a lightning rod that whatever he says that's even close, people are going to turn it into this every time. Mm-hmm. Because quite honestly, I thought the stuff that he said last year when his own coach called him out, were are tame too. Because the shit that his coach said, well, he shouldn't be talking about his teammates. He should be talking about himself. He actually talked about himself in that same quote. He said, <laughs> we are all in this together. We all got to do X, Y, and Z, but it's too easy to pull out one part of his quote and make him look like an asshole. And so people do it. Yeah. It turned into, I think I'm the greatest, you know, thing since sliced bread. When basically all he was saying was, I feel I have this confidence that I'm the top quarterback in the league. I know there's a bunch of other quarterbacks that have done more than me, so I have to go out and show it. It's nothing like he's, you know, it it, it was basically nothing like the headlines that you saw come after it. But I knew those headlines were coming. Just like a couple weeks ago, I tweeted out, look, there hasn't been a time where he's basically said something during an interview and maybe the last two years where he's helped himself. Not necessarily because he said (laughs) something wrong, but because he says stuff that is too easy for people to kind of take out of context and use against him. And so for (laughs) me, if I was him, and I know he doesn't want to do this, I would shut that shit down. Like, I I would be the Bill Belichick of quarterbacks when it came to doing an interview for the rest of this season. Let your play do your talking. I'm not mad at him because it wasn't his fault. The people who wrote those headlines and slanted it against him knew what the fuck he meant. Just like when he talked to the the small circle of reporters after, you know, the PR people totally fucked up the situation in, in Washington, you know, you got, I, I, I forget where he is, Uh, like a New York Post columnist coming to talk Bart to Bart Hubbock. Bart Hubbock, the worst person in the world for you to snub yep. after something like this. And yep. he decide, hey, how can I make this bad situation even worse? <laughs> I mean, and, and, and then finally, I guess he talked the PR people into letting him speak. But he was right when he said, everybody here knows what I was trying to say. There isn't anybody that read his stuff in context that's, that went and, like, okay, this guy's being an asshole. He really thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. He said he has to go out and show that, which implies he knows he hasn't shown it to date. Yeah. But this is what's going to happen when you're RG3, and you have seen some weird shit in the past. He has. This is what's going to happen. This is where you are right now. And so for me, I think he need, he and whoever is handling him, whoever his PR people are or marketing people or whoever, needs to have a sit-down and say, look, two or three years ago when you first got in the league, you could say all this shit, nobody would care. Now you can't say it anymore. Go build Belichick. Yes or no answers as much as you can. Don't yeah. give up anything. Let your play speak for you on the field, and then nobody will have shit to complain about. It's It's unfortunate. But I think that's where he is right now, and so if he doesn't want this kind of backlash, that's the way he's got to go about it. Yeah,
0: and you hate to—I mean, you hate to like take a guy, but you know, when you're just a quote machine like RG three has been, and it's—it's it's always the kind of quotes that you know, like uh, that's—it's just it, they're tailor made for PFT commenter. to run away with i mean it's just it's you know you've gotta you've gotta be mindful and the team pr people ought to know that instead of reacting like they do to that shit and then they have to come back and look like idiots because they are idiots i'm sorry the washington (laughs) it's just like they they have they handle everything so poorly so consistently when it comes to pr at that team so we'll see we'll see what happens i don't you guys think rg3 can bounce back this year
2: well, I think it's, from yeah. from all apparent uh, uh, reports that I've read, he's been doing well in camp, yeah. uh, and, and to, to the point where, basically, we know <laughs> we know that uh, Gruden is, is not a big RG three fan. He he's made that pretty well known, whether it be leaks or saying it straight out. But he's basically said, come out and said, no, it's his job. The battle is for the second, you know, between the two guys for second string. They're not battling him for number one anymore. Yeah. So I don't know if that was the owner coming and telling him that. I don't really think it was because usually he'll give you that wink and nod kind of the way he words things to let you know, I ain't really happy about this, but this is the way it is. But it sounds like he himself now has a little bit more confidence in RG three. And I thought in his first preseason game, you know, he had to drop touchdown that uh uh he, he, Should have been a touchdown, and his receiver dropped it. Played pretty decent, I thought. Uh, Ran for a first down. So I think so far it's all about whether he can stay healthy for number one and if Mm -hmm. he can avoid these kind of weird statements or whatever, I think he'll be fine because he has more than enough talent around him and wide receiver. That's for damn sure. He, He lost some tight ends, but you're talking about, I don't know if there's a faster wide receiver core then, then they're two starting wide receivers right now. No, and that's
0: a good – I mean, that's a team that has done. I mean, for all the jokes about winning the offseason, they had a good offseason. I mean, they didn't go out and do a bunch of dumb Dan Snyder contracts. They brought in guys that make sense for that made sense for what they needed. They brought in guys that, you know, fit the scheme. They brought in guys that kind of, you know – are uh, that could be long-term assets for him i mean it's a team that has set up its roster to compete this year now if they're as good as the eagles i don't know we'll see or the cowboys we'll see but it's it's a you know it's a team that should be much better than they were last year at the very least and rg3 is in a good spot for that now you know it'll be interesting to see how the gruden rg3 tensions play out and whether that how that translates to 2016 or not but but there we go Hey, I, here's one I want to talk about real quick because I get asked this question a lot by people. I mean, maybe it's just because I'm in the Midwest, so that, you know the Bears are kind of a team that a lot of people root for naturally out here. But the, the Kevin White injury obviously is a huge, a huge blow to the Bears. I mean, they gave up Brandon Marshall and they drafted Kevin White, and then now he he's out for the season, right? Well, potentially, most likely, yeah. Okay,
1: he could I'm, potentially come back, but I wouldn't, you know, put too much faith in that.
0: Are the Bears screwed this year? I mean, their defense looked terrible last week. But, again, that's preseason stuff, too. And then you lose Kevin White. It's all kind of on Alshon Jeffrey's shoulders now. I mean, and they have Matt Forte, too, so it's not like it's devoid of offensive weapons. And the offensive line's not bad by any means. It's
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say they're screwed. I I, I think you have to give it some time um, to kind of see how they how it plays out. I think – I mean, this is how I've always – seen the Bears in the last couple of years anyway, it just kind of depends on what Jay Cutler you get. Really, <laughs> I mean, that's the big thing. And so, you know, if he, you know, is the good Jay Cutler, then then potentially they could be a surprising surprisingly good team. But, you know, if he's the Jay Cutler of the second half last year or whatever, um, you know, yeah, then they're screwed probably. But um, I think, you know, like I, I'm not counting them out quite yet. I think they, you know, they've got some talent on that team, like you said um they're changing a lot of things up this year so there's quite a few questions you still have to answer in terms of the scheme changes and and what they do on defense and things like that but i think they got some pieces and, and so i mean i'll be really interested to see how they do
0: it always comes back to I, – I love it when you hear people like, I'm just – this is going to be – this can be Cutler's breakout season. Like, uh, listen, if the guy hasn't <laughs> had a breakout season in seven years in Chicago, he's not going to have a breakout season now. <laughs> it's not. Well,
1: not breakout, but at least maybe he'll like –
0: No, I know what you're saying. I'm just saying there's <laughs> always that, like, the, there, yeah. the hopeful the fan.
2: on the hope when <laughs> <Yeah>. it <Right, laughs> right. I think the biggest thing is this. I, I don't think that John Fox is going to let them th- – let Jay Cutler throw them out of games this year. Yeah, I think that John Fox is going to do what the previous head coaches should have done and actually lean on Matt Forte. So I think Matt Forte may have more of a say in how they do this year uh, than Jay Cutler. And that would be a wonderful thing, in my opinion. <laughs> I also feel like, um, you know, with uh, Kevin White going down, that's an opportunity for Martellus Bennett to expand his role a little bit. I think you can split Mm -hmm. him out and play him at wide out a little bit uh, and and just move him around and make him be even more than the weapon that he was before. And that's a big old dude who can run, man. So, you know, if, if, if you go back to what most defensive minded head coaches do, which is what John Fox is, run the football, throw basically, you know, move the chains type of offense, I think that Martellus Bennett could end up having a, 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 an all-pro type year this year, and, and and they can just lean on the running game, and hopefully their defense will come around. The guy on their defense who I really like is Willie Young, mm-hmm. who's coming off an Achilles injury, and so he's still not healthy. And, so, and he was their top sack guy last year. He had 10 sacks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they still aren't quite at full strength on their defense anyway. So, once again, you know, preseason game, take it with a grain of salt yeah. because I still think they'll be better than that by the time the regular season rolls around. Yeah. Well, I mean, they got Lamar Houston coming
1: off the ACL, right? Is that what he tore when he was celebrating? I think, I think so. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, like, I, like I agree with Steve. I think they've got some they've got some pieces. They signed Perdoe McPhee. Uh, you know, they yeah. signed a couple of guys in free agency that will be good depth, I think.
0: They moved uh, Shay McClellan to inside linebacker too, which was kind of an interesting. That'll be
1: interesting, and it'll be interesting to interesting. see what Jared Allen does at outside linebacker. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah, and they and they got, um, you know, Brock Vereen's coming off a pretty good year last year. They also picked up Adrian Amos. Um, they've got some depth in their secondary. It, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting look they've got. They, you know, Ego Ferguson, Will Sutton. You know, they picked up. Mason Foster there's there's a lot of changes there and then they got the Vic Fangio defense kind of getting plugged into all those players and so um yeah it could be yeah they're they're a team to watch for me I think it's gonna be really interesting and I know I know that Adam Gase is highly you know
0: yeah that's the other uh, wild card there too which is a good a good thing for the Bears
1: yeah I mean I think he's highly thought of and um it's you know (laughs) not like an experiment poor Mark Trustman, man
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably he's one of those guys that's probably always going to be better suited to be a, a a coordinator than a head coach.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. I kind of you know I'm not like putting all my chips on uh, on the Bears or anything. But I'm no,
0: I don't think they're going to win the uh, NFC North or anything like that. But I don't think it's a yeah, they're like, a, a four Division. win season or anything <laughs> like that. And, you know, I was just looking at their depth chart. They drafted Jeremy Langford, at running back, out of Michigan State, who's kind of a Donald Brown, you know, maybe not your starter, but not a bad guy to have in the rotation there.
1: Mm-hmm. They got Jack with Rogers. Mm-hmm. Got some interesting players there. Man, they're in a tough division, though.
0: Hey, well, to stay in that division, and I don't want to get too – I don't want to – the hype train seems to be the buzzword this year for preseason stuff, but – Man, the Amir Abdullah hype train yeah. left the station early. And it was crowded last week too. I don't, we got know, a if Barry I don't Sanders know if there's any space available a, on it yet.
1: After one preseason game, we got a Barry Sanders comp. You know <laughs> He did look good though, I will say. And yeah. he was a guy he was a guy that I really liked coming out of Nebraska. Um so it was like, you know, not surprising for me that, that he would looked that good, but, you know, he just so explosive in the short area. He kind of lived up to his, his scouting report in a lot of ways based on his runs, you know. Um extremely explosive cuts, extremely explosive, you know, jukes in the short area mm-hmm. and then he got caught from behind on that one big run. So that kind of just you know, it just goes in line with his scouting report. I think a lot of people talked about if he had like that extra gear, he would have taken that one that one run to the house, but I mean, honestly, you know, that's just quibbling because most guys aren't, you know. You know, you're not Not everyone's going to be Adrian Peterson and have everything. So um, I, I think he's going to be a really good player. I'm excited to watch him this year.
0: Well, and like you said, he was a guy. It wasn't like he was just some, um, you know, nobody off the street that just kind of right. got into the fourth quarter of a preseason game and, and racked up some meaningless yards. I mean, he was a guy that coming into the draft that people talked about.
1: I mean, he was oh, – yeah. He was a probably you know a first round talent that dropped out of the first round because of his size and you know he had some issues with fumbling and things like that, but I mean just in terms of athletic talent and everything you heard about him was like he's like the Russell Wilson of running backs in terms of work ethic and everything
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: you know and just attitude and, and he's i think oh, he so you mean be,
0: he's the Danny Woodhead
1: of running backs he is yes. <laughs> You know he's he's just a gritty lunch pail <laughs> kind of guy. He actually he he you know the Nebraska he won the Nebraska like award for the he like won their lifting award like I think two times. He's like oh really? Yeah, he's like a gym rat. You know he he's the lunch pail dude of lunch pail dudes.
0: And that's always interesting when you hear a guy described as a gym rat. They I've heard more than one GM, and this is you know in the hyped up draft season general manager talk but they're always like you know that's a good sign because it's like that's a guy that at least you know generally wants to you know wants to hone his craft at least oh yeah is committed to that so
1: yeah in terms of everything i read about him and and knew about him um i'm from nebraska originally so i kind of follow nebraska football but um yeah everything i've heard about him is he's like as good of a prospect in terms of the off field stuff as as you can ever find
0: mm-hmm.
1: so um you know he's 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 got a pretty like he's got the whole package in terms of everything but size apparently yeah, and long speed, I guess, which is you know one concern, but at the same time you know i take I take short area burst over long speed you know, most of the time with running backs,
0: yeah. Is there anybody else that's your guy Steven, anybody that's caught your eye through the preseason so far? I mean, I know we're just a week into it, but
2: um well, uh, <laughs> the Frank Clark guy. I, I think uh. Uh, I was gonna let Danny talk about him because I, I the first <laughs> I like Danny take on but his. he 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 definitely caught my eye. So I'll let <laughs> Danny take it from here because I'm sure he saw quite a bit of uh, in that first preseason game.
1: Yeah, I mean by like most, I, you know, I think PFF Pro Football Focus had him rated as their top defensive player of the week or whatever, and so yeah. he was all over the he was all over the place. Literally, he you know he played fifty one snaps. He played nearly the whole game. Did he play with the first team? He played. Uh, he might have gotten a, few snaps. a
2: little bit. What's that? Yeah, I, was like, I think he did mix in on like nickel a couple yeah. times.
1: Yeah, he played. He played. I think in the second defensive series and and. Um, his first snap, he blew Tyson Brailio off the line. He dragged a guy down in the backfield, T.J. Anderson, and forced a fumble. <laughs> and everyone was like, "Okay, okay, now here, here we go." And then he continued to just be really disruptive. You know, he was slicing through the line, uh, hitting guys in the backfield. He stopped the guy on fourth down at one point. Um, he showed the ability to kind of diagnose plays when it wasn't coming right at him. There was a lot of really good things like to like about it. I think uh, Pete Carroll talked about how um, there was a few plays where he might have gotten blown back off the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, I mean, he's more of like an end in base and then like a nickel, thir- a nickel interior pass rusher. So um, he's a potential guy who can play three downs, honestly. And so yeah, you know, and he looked a lot like Mike Bennett in terms of. You know, the kind of stuff he was doing, like slicing through the line mm-hmm. or, you know, because um, Denver was running some zone stuff. And he did like the Michael Bennett thing where he just like jumps through the line before he can even before the tight end can reach him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it was interesting to see. And everyone's pretty excited about how he's how he played in that first game. Obviously, he looked really good. Um, you know, A lot of people had wondered whether he'd be like a defensive end, like a Leo for, for Pete Carroll, mm-hmm. but he's definitely, the way they're using him now, he's definitely more of, like, a Michael Bennett. Like, that would be, the, that would be like the prototype that they see him as, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, those are some guys to, I mean, Seattle's a team where those guys are going to be kind of interesting to watch this year because, yeah, I mean, everybody knows Seattle's, the big names in Seattle, but Seattle's got their cap situation with all the contracts they've given out over the last couple of years are really going to be, I mean, the Frank Clarks of the lineup are going to be really important because, you know, they're going to have to fill the gaps where they've gotten those, you know, like what Bruce Irvin has done so far with them. And,
1: and Yeah, I mean, they're tight against the cap this year for sure. Yeah. They have to, I mean, honestly, they just have to see some of their draft picks start panning out at maybe a little bit higher rate now. Obviously, a lot of their early picks really panned out, you know, with the whole Legion of Boom and a lot of the stuff there. But the last two drafts have been slightly underwhelming in terms of, you know, real standout players. But this year you've got guys like Cassius Marsh. Um, he could potentially be a kind of a breakout guy. Um, you know, Luke Wilson, he had a pretty good year last year in terms of in, in the Seahawks pass off. He actually tied for most touchdowns on the team in terms of perceptions uh, behind only Marshawn Lynch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know just uh like kristen michael again i I'm so sick of talking about him, but he's really you know, like he he's really got so much potential and and he's explosive and and crazy athletic, but he you know again on on Friday he fumbled the ball, so just like the Seahawks like i think the the coaching staff staff <laughs> just getting exasperated, obviously the fan base is extremely like frustrated at this point, but
0: uh, I always think of Christine Michael for telling the story at the rookie premiere in twenty 20- Thirteen about, was it 2013 or 2014, I remember. Right.
1: What, a, what was that, About
0: losing $500 in three-card Monty in Los Angeles at the, <laughs> at the rookie premiere. i was like, who plays three-card Monty? Nobody plays three-card. You know what it's
2: designed for. Right. I mean, how do you lose that much? You couldn't put it all on, I mean, did he bet it all on one turn? I mean. I, I don't know. It's like, did you never watch Bugs
0: Bunny as a kid? You don't play three-card Monty. It's rigged. <laughs>
2: <laughs> always, always leave. They can let you win the first couple of times, then you're going to take all your money.
0: Uh, and Maybe he was just telling the story. I don't know. But I was just, I, I, I'll, that's every time I see Christine Michaels' name pop up in my Twitter feed or wherever, I'm just like, 3 that's the three card Monty guy. The only person I've ever met that actually has played three card Monty.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, there's one yeah. other guy uh, I wanted to point out Danny Shelton. Ah, oh yeah! Oh yeah! Um, and, and I want to, uh, I want to, I want to give him some some uh, accolades, but I also want to kind of slow down his hype train a little bit. <laughs> uh, th- th- this dude, he, he's as advertised. The stuff you saw him doing college, where he was dominant and pushing people all over the place, he's doing in the pros. And, and, and you had to wonder because for somebody who uses, who relies so much on power, like he did. In college, you know, he's not a real fast guy. He's quick but not fast. You just have to wonder when he gets up against NFL competition with bigger, stronger guys and everybody's big and strong, if it would still hold up. And guess what? It did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was pushing people all over the fucking place in the backfield. Mm -hmm. You know, got all the vines and stuff of him doing it in practice too the other day, knocking people back. But, and this is a big but, the one thing he's going to have to learn how to do is come off those blocks and actually make the tackle, okay? Because it's great to be pushing on a guy, but that's not the name of the game, and in, in, really in football at all, but definitely not the NFL. Mm-hmm. Because it's a lot of big, strong guys who never make a Pro Bowl or anything like that because they get, they get so enamored with just pushing people around and making it into a tough guy competition, they don't make any plays. Yeah. And so what I would like to see from him The growth I like to see from him in this preseason is, yeah, man, push those guys back. But, hey, maybe you don't need to push them back five yards, push them back two yards, and then rip off and make the play. And I'd be a lot more impressed with that than just knocking guys around. You know, if you want to do that, go play offensive line. And and then you can do, you know, pancake guys and all that. But But for me, as an old defensive line guy, I want to see you make plays, too.
0: Yeah, and they had him, it looks like, I'm just looking at, I mean, this isn't official, but it looks like they had him at Nose, which I guess is kind of why where they what they drafted him to be in the first place, but they had him at Nose against Washington last week.
2: Oh, yeah, that's where he's going to be, yeah. for sure. So, you ain't, you going to have a hard time finding him. Either. That's a big old boy.
0: <laughs> well, I think he's listed at 340, so... So he's probably about 360. <laughs> well, speaking of pancakes and pushing guys back into your power, um, I know we all saw the L. Collins pancake block in the Cowboys game last week.
1: That was mean. That was just mean. I
0: mean,
2: he, he I like looks
0: pretty it. impressive so far.
2: <laughs> well, it's preseason, yes, and, I
0: know, but I mean.
2: Well, here's the thing. And, and uh, uh, actually, I was talking to somebody about this on Twitter the other day. You know, you get this, we we get these vines and stuff and Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, the little videos we watch on Twitter, and you get, you know, excited about guys, but then that doesn't really tell the whole tale, you know. That's one or two plays here or there where they did good, but then you don't see him maybe getting beat at the line of scrimmage, you know, on the pass rush and stuff. And that's really what he's going to have to work on the most anyway, probably on, on the next level, is, you know, having to rush inside rushers who are just as good as most of those defensive ends he faced in college when he was a tackle. And now yeah. he's playing guard, so everything speeds up so much. And so uh he did have some very impressive plays here and there where he and I love his attitude because he's definitely trying to finish guys off mm-hmm. every play, but he also has some mishaps along the way yeah. where he didn't quite get the job done. So, you know, you you don't want to get, you know, too excited about the kid, and plus You know, he's behind a pretty good guard anyway, uh, I think, in Leary. But he definitely showed the potential of what he can be once he gets that technique down from play to play.
0: Well, and I think that's what's so, I mean, maybe the most amazing thing about him is that he's a backup right now.
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, this, there's this a is. lot of
0: teams in this league that would kill. I mean, I just got to be <coughs> themselves because they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, yeah. <laughs> 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 but I mean, you know, and here in Dallas, I mean, unless there's an injury, he's probably not going to play a whole lot this season.
2: God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just it's 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 incredible when you look at the state of offensive lines around the league and how bad so many of them, and on good teams too. I mean, Seattle again, for instance, but you know, how bad offensive lines are around the league. And then you get to Dallas where it's you know, they could have, you know, a decent offensive line a decent starting five with some of their backups. It's just it's insane. It's it's crazy. And I didn't see him in the big the the big Rams Cowboys training camp brawl this week. <laughs> no no, that was a brawl. That wasn't that some was. slap fight. That, that was, was that, <laughs> that was a bench clearing brawl right there. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> the biggest one so far. Of the preseason, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah.
0: <laughs> At least that we know of.
2: Right, I mean, people make see. a big
0: deal out of the fights. Is it really that big of a deal? I mean, players are just out there. They're working. It's hot. It's hard work. It's easy to get you know pissed off. You get stepped on wrong or something like that. I mean, is it really that big of a deal? As long as nobody's getting hurt, I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know it. what this is. This is our version of, like, the NHL and policing ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, because, like, the, for, you know, all that time with, with hockey, you would kind of, you know, a guy would go across the line. He, he'd cross the line, whether he was too physical with somebody, your star or something like that, and then somebody had to go and retaliate. Well, that's kind of what happens in, in, in these practices. It's usually not just, you know, some happenstance, like somebody stepped on your foot or it's just hot. It's usually one guy or one team that's going too hard. Like, mm-hmm. and I know that doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but if the, the tempo is supposed to be third, for instance, that means you're supposed to let the running back run. Like you touch him off, let him run to the end zone. But usually when you practice against a different team, then there'll be one asshole that's wanna knock your your running back down when he comes through the line, right? And, okay, maybe the first time, that's okay. But then the second and third time, well, okay, you're going to keep knocking our running back down. Let's go and find your safety, and we're going to cut his knee or something. And so it, the retaliation keeps escalating until it's a full-blown fight. And, of course, you know, if, it's, if, it's two, if it's the same team practice against themselves, usually you know, guys know, look, we, we're not going to turn this into an all-out brawl. Mm-hmm. Let's let these two guys fight and get it over with. But it was, when it's two, you know, separate teams. Well, then you gotta come to an understanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, look, this line—you keep stepping over it. You, you're a habitual line stepper, right now. We <laughs> need to get, get come to an understanding because you gotta cut that shit out. And know. so that's why this kind of stuff happens. But it happens all the time, literally, all the time. I can't remember a time where I practiced back when I played. Uh, against another team we used to practice against Miami all the time Uh where eventually a fight didn't break out it's just bound to happen and so it's just now we got cameras everywhere and so you're going to catch it but it's no big deal man because you know what really that's one way to end practice too because ain't nobody going to practice after that (laughs) as long as nobody gets hurt and what you'll see is okay now I did think like, some of the sucker punch stuff was ridiculous. Like, you know, Dez is getting held by one of his guys, and one of the Rams comes over. A dude that's not even on defense, a dude yeah. on offense, comes over and punches him in the face. I think he was, you know, I can't say what I want to call that guy right there, but it's <laughs> nothing complimentary, I would say. Yeah. You know, if you're going to fight, let's fight, you know, man up, you know, let's square off and get it done, and that's usually how it works. But you know, stealing on people and stuff like that, I'm not a fan of that part at all. But as long as nobody gets hurt, it's really no harm, no foul.
1: Yeah. Was it was it Eugene Sims that came over at the end and just leveled a guy yeah. from the like blind side?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: and two people on Twitter accusing Aaron got out and then everybody had it as Aaron Donald from like, that's not Aaron Donald, people.
2: That was Eugene. me. I actually didn't say that at first because I was thinking about his high school number. So yeah. as soon as I saw it, like 97. Oh, man, that's Aaron Donald. That, that's not a good look. <laughs> but then I was like, was Jennifer, Eugene Sims. And of course, I had to have 20 different Twitter people tell me that. After I initially, you know, after somebody, the first person that said this is Eugene Sims, I was like, oh, that's right, my bad. Was 20, <laughs> you got the well actually. Two, the next out. day, still hadn't got the memo that I admitted I got it wrong. <laughs> I was like, man, to be honest with you, I couldn't even tell the difference. It looked like, you know, a defensive tackle or somebody, I think Eugene Sims was more of a defensive end, but he just leveled the guy. I mean, in yeah. 93, poor 93, I think he was more of a peacemaker. He wasn't even throwing punches. Yeah. He was trying to kind of, you know, <clears throat> push people away from his guy, and he was just kind of standing there, and it's kind of broken up <laughs> because Eugene Sims out of nowhere, bam! I <laughs> I
1: like how the t- the Turf Show Times Twitter account earlier in the day was like, over-under on a fight this week, or tonight, uh, 97%. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, Rams And Ram's Twitter right now is an ugly, ugly place because of all the L.A. stuff. I mean, people mm-hmm. are just like on pins and needles and ready to pounce for the littlest damn thing right now. So it's just, it's been fun. It was real fun to watch all that stuff and to fight. <laughs> With the team practicing in, in a you know, sixty
1: miles from downtown Los Angeles. Well those fights always get some good hot takes too,
2: like, oh yeah. Oh, who's gonna press criminal charges? <laughs> yeah. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna say that, then why don't we press charges after every fucking play? Because somebody's getting <laughs> assaulted, literally every play on the football field. Every well, every, every play somebody gets, gets uh,
0: depleted. <laughs>
2: I mean, come on. Now, the funniest thing that just reminded me, the funniest thing I saw during that whole situation was on one field, it was the the Cowboys offense against the Rams defense, of course. Well, when the fight first broke out, the whole Rams defense ran over to the fight. Well, the Cowboys offense that was on the field stayed on the field and ran a play against one Rams defender for a touchdown. Like, they still ran the play. And then there was still one Rams defender who didn't go to the fight. Trying to stop the one play. So, uh, by himself trying to stop the play. It was a, a safety,
0: team. too. I don't remember who it was, but it was one of the safeties. I'm like, man, a Rams safety the out there by himself trying to defend uh, someone from the Rams secondary trying to defend Tony Romo. That's just about as as hopeless of a picture as it gets. <laughs>
2: <laughs> One guy gets the whole offer. They, they just ain't going to work, buddy. <laughs> you, know, you might as well went, went on over there and
0: fought. No, where's the video cameras for that? And that's the video I would want to see over and over. That's the funny video right there. <laughs> well, guys, it's been a good podcast. That's a uh, fight's a good way to end practice. Probably a good way to end a podcast, too, before, uh, before anybody has to be separated here on the, on the virtual radio. But, uh... We'll uh, reconvene next week. We'll have a whole other bunch of games to talk about, and we'll be uh, technically halfway closer, maybe, I guess, if you're going by the calendar, a little more than halfway closer to the start of the regular season. So uh, that's definitely exciting, something exciting to think about. So, um, Steven, Danny, thanks again. Uh, always a pleasure, and uh, let's plan to talk again next week.
2: Sounds good. Sounds great.